And it's Thursday on the Piero Pelka podcast. It's Mike here and Lauren Fix, the car coach, will be joining us shortly to talk about cars and what's on the four-minute Friday this week. But there are some things that we have to get to on this date, like the history thing, you know, on this day back in the day. So on this day back in the day in 1862, the first American paper money was issued. It was known as the National Currency Notes. And uh, I wonder <laughs> I wonder if anybody's got any of those. And what would it be worth? I haven't seen them on the Antiques Roadshow. Let's find out. Uh, in 1864, two years later, Abraham Lincoln signed the papers promoting General Grant to general to command the Army in the Civil War. In 1947, the Big Four, and this kind of relates to what's going on today, I think. The Big Four, U.S., France, England, and Italy, all met to discuss Germany's future after World War II. And they met in Moscow. How amazing is that? I wonder if uh, America, France, England, and Italy are right now meeting and discussing what the hell to do with Moscow and Putin and how to save Ukraine. Might be a good thing, but we don't have a leader in the White House capable of doing that. But he has sent Kamala, Kamala Harris, over to, uh, to Poland to handle things. And she's mumbling and fumbling and stumbling all over the place. Right, Kami? We are all in the midst of a turning point. Yeah, in the midst of a turning point. But she wants you all to... Imagine a world with green energy and, and cars with zero emissions. Imagine all the heavy-duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Yeah, well, they might not produce any emissions while they're moving the car, but to power them requires electricity, typically from a coal-fired plant. I'm just saying, she's not very smart. I, and I won't even get into the thing of her dodging the question and cackling today in front of the Polish president, President Duda. It's just an embarrassment on every level. Uh, back to history. On this day in 1980, Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini said his government would support the rebels that were holding Americans hostage at the embassy in Tehran. He basically gave the government's endorsement of the rebels who took over our embassy and held people, Americans, hostage for 444 days until Ronald Reagan was sworn in. And then suddenly they were all released. Wasn't that amazing? <laughs> yes, it was. Boy, oh boy. And two years later, same day, the U.S. banned oil from Libya because uh, that government's continued support of terrorism. And I wonder how long it took us to figure that out, that we needed to ban the Libyan oil. We eventually sent one of the, um, one of the masterminds behind the bombing of the Pan Am flight that blew up over Lockerbie, Scotland, back home to Libya because they said it was a humanitarian thing. He was dying. The guy went on to live several years longer. He wasn't dying. That was Bravo Sierra. It reminds me... Um, how I feel today about sending the 20th hijacker back to Saudi Arabia. We all know why that was done. That was done to try and appease the Saudis and get them to pump more oil. 
But the Saudis won't even take Joe Biden's phone call, much less pump more oil. All we need to do is be self-sufficient again. Rely on yourself. Make sure you can do it yourself. It's never a bad idea to be self-sufficient. And if you can afford the luxury of having others do things for you, then good for you. By the way, late last night, just before midnight, the House passed a massive spending bill, which includes a whole bunch of money. I think it's like $14 billion to help Ukraine. Okay, that's fine. But the COVID funding was removed and had to be removed because without the COVID funding removing, Nancy Pelosi's party would not have supported it. And she was asked about it because she had been blaming the delay in the funding on the GOP. And she got a little testy when asked about it. You're blaming Republicans for the delay in the situation with the COVID relief, but you, you didn't have votes within your own party. No, we're, no, no. That's the way it is. It's, uh, let's get... Let's grow up about this, okay? Oh. We're in a legislative process. We have a deadline uh, for keeping government open. We have a lively negotiation. It has to be bipartisan. We got a war going on in, in Ukraine. Distract, 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 deflect, deflect, deflect. The reality is Pelosi's party would not support the bill with all that crazy COVID funding in it. And she would not have been able to pass it. It would have been a gigantic stain on her record. And they removed that COVID funding while keeping the provisions for the Hyde Amendment, which will not allow for taxpayer money to pay for abortions alive. So that stayed there. The Hyde Amendment lives. And that's a good thing because I got a feeling we're not going to have Nancy Pelosi to kick around after the midterm elections, at least I, I hope, I hope we don't have to deal with Nancy Pelosi going forward. There also was um, a little back and forth in the White House press room as uh, Jen Psaki, also known as Jen Snarky on the show, is, um, is not really playing fair with the truth when asked about the, um, the pumping of oil and why we are not energy independent. She keeps pointing at this. Oh, all those permits are out there. They're just not being used. Yeah, well, the government's blocking the building of roads to access the area where the permits are. And uh, the great Dana Perino on The Five explained it, I thought, beautifully when she said, it's like somebody gave you a new car, but they won't let you have the keys. Well done. Speaking of The Five, Geraldo has been uh, pretty entertaining. He's usually very irritating to me. Geraldo Rivera on the five. He made a little bit of a, uh, a Joe Biden screw up when he was tossing to a commercial break. More on the Iranian. Iranian. Oh, no. Biden. Oh, no. Oh, More on the Ukrainian refugee crisis, a live report on the suffering next. While I uh, pick on Geraldo, he did say something yesterday that I completely agree with and I can get behind. He's a son of a bitch and I don't want to provoke him into nuclear war, but there must be a way to get those MiG-29s to Ukraine, a creative way, if we could... In World War II, on the, on the precipice of war with Hitler, if we could contrive a way to get our aircraft, despite the Neutrality Act, 
over the border to Canada so the British could use them against the Germans. If we could manage that scheme, there must be a way to do this. Even if you have to take the damn things apart and ship them up in cartons, there must be a way to get those jets. We can't let these people continue to be the victim of indiscriminate bombing where they are. It, it doesn't matter how brave they are. Doesn't matter all those foreign volunteers and the women with AK-47s and all the rest of it. They can't stand against a missile and a bomb. They're, it's the skies. Yes, it is the skies. And I'm hoping we can figure it out. I have to say I agree with Geraldo there. We also got uh, news on inflation today. And the inflation news was not good at all. Another record-setting month. And in order to see inflation this high... On an annualized basis, you have to go all the way back to 1982. And uh, it just does not bode well for the average American. It's going to be a very expensive ticket going forward. And a part of that uh, is the price of gas, which as of early this morning was $4.31.8 a gallon, according to AAA. So four thirty-two on average. And uh, the administration is trying to call it the Putin price hike. Steve Ducey, or Peter Ducey, asked Jen Snarky about it. Why did you guys decide to rebrand the rise in gas prices as the hashtag Putin price hike? If President Putin's buildup of military troops is leading to volatility and an increase in oil and prices, hence you have a Putin gas price pump. Yeah, right, right. I think she meant gas pump price. I wonder if we're going to start seeing those stickers, you know, the ones that have Joe's picture pointing at the price on the pump saying, I did that. We should put Putin with Joe and have the sticker say, we did that. Joe did most of it and he could change it if we would go back to American energy independence. One more item that's got me ticked off before we get Lauren in here is uh, CBS News and Gail King, Oprah's buddy. She's the uh, the very highly paid host of the co-host of the CBS Early Morning Show, and um, she was speechifying about the refugees who are trying to escape bombing, indiscriminate bombing of people who've done nothing. They were innocent people living their lives in the country of Ukraine, only to be attacked by the Russians. And now their lives are being destroyed, their homes are being destroyed, their family members are being killed, and they're forced to pack up a couple of bags of stuff and try and hike to Poland or any country that will take them that is not Russia or Belarus. And talk about clueless. Gail King tries to make this a race thing. You look at people coming from Haiti, people coming, as I said, El Salvador, Honduras, they were not treated this well. And I think we all want the Ukrainian people to be helped. Everybody agrees with that. But there is enough pain to go around here. There's enough pain to go around? The people that came to our southern border and broke the law coming into our country did so voluntarily without being shot at and had their country destroyed by an angry communist regime shame on you gail king i hope oprah explains it to you tonight over your mojitos in your mega mansions it's so maddening how clueless these people are maybe maybe barack obama will explain it to him the next time you guys all go vacation together shame on you 
All right, let's get Lauren Fix, the car coach, in here. With so much bad, bizarre, and depressing news out there, it always makes me happy to see that Lauren Fix, the car coach, is joining us because even though we talk about the bad and depressing and troubling news and how it affects the car industry, there's always some good and educational stuff that Lauren brings, including a friend of mine who uh, called me yesterday, Lauren, to say how much she appreciated the information about what you should do at the end of your lease because hers is coming um, up. So she goes, that was really cool. I had no idea. So, uh, Oh, yeah. My the friend, dealers are crazy. They're, my, they're losing their mind. My friend Susan says, thank you, thank you, thank you. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you from Susan. Uh, Lauren, Happy to give her car smarts yeah, anytime. She's, she's cool. You dig her. She's very funny and, uh, and just uh, crazy, too, <laughs> which is kind of a combination of everybody I know. Um, yeah, really. In in today's, I want to get into today's segment. What you want to talk about? But I mentioned this a couple of days ago. Monday was the anniversary of the millionth Ford Mustang being produced, and uh, it, it was like 1966. And then yesterday was the anniversary of the first Ford Mustang being produced. And I was going to ask you because I promised the audience. Where is that one millionth Mustang? Does somebody own it? Yeah, I actually Ford owns it. So let me just correct a little bit of the record. So the cars were produced in March. Some of them were produced in the New Jersey plant. There was also Detroit and there was also a California plant. So and those of us that are really deep, deep, deep in the weeds with this know it can look at the car and based on the vehicle identification number can tell you where it's built and a lot about it. However, the first car is not shown to everyone until April 17, 1964 at the World's Fair. That's when the first car was allowed to be sold. Different era where you couldn't see the car. It remained covered. It was under secret wraps. And they have a big reveal at the dealership and people would go and be exciting. So they revealed it at uh, the World's Fair in New York. And then after that, all the dealers were able to uncover the car. That's that's the way they did things back in the day. A little more exciting than today. They go, here's a new car. But um, so the first year they made 650,000 cars. Wow. That was a record. So the second year, 1966, they did reach a million cars. That car currently exists and is at the Henry Ford Museum. And if you go there, it is still there. It has no fluids in it. It's just sitting there and maintained, and it's kind of cool. They just made the 10 millionth Mustang. Uh, was, I think it was last year, the year, I mean, just before COVID. It had to be just before COVID because I was there. And they did this aerial, like, shot of the, the lined up Mustangs over the with the number 10 million. So it was kind of huh. cool. But remember, these cars have some really unique history. Everybody has a Mustang story. Their neighbor, their brother, their uncle. So cool about it. That's what scares the heck out of me that the current people running forward hopefully don't forget their heritage. As we say in my end of the business, I'm in manufacturing. Don't forget where your bread is buttered. If they fail to, to keep the Mustang as its own special car, and they decide to make it just a, an appliance, making it electric and shifting everything over, you will lose all those enthusiasts. Because those of us that collect these cars will totally never buy another one. Uh, I was just at a Mustang event in Melbourne, Florida. It was um, Mustang Club of America. Believe it or not, it exists. I'm also part of the Shelby American Automobile Club. There, there was easily 
there's thousands and thousands of Mustangs of all years. So don't think that nobody has those cars. Most of those cars still exist. Even the ugly little Mustang twos people collect. Yeah, those were terrible. I I, I had a yeah, Mustang they were. in the eighties. Seventy four to seventy eight. Yeah. Well, in the eighties, I had a Mustang convertible. Well, nineteen eighty. And it that wasn't was good. It wasn't good though. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a muscle car. It was just a car, and it had the Mustang plates. It's kind of like the Mach E, which I'm not calling a Mustang. I've ordered one, as you know, but I'm not referring to it as a Mustang. And yes. All my friends are going, oh, you got a, you're getting a Mustang. Said, no, I'm getting a Mach-E. This, if I call this a Mustang, so, Lauren Fix will run me over with her Shelby. Right. So you're going to laugh. So here I am. They're showing us the Mach-E at the L.A. Auto Show. Again, this is just prior to COVID. And just came out. And I got pulled aside by a very high-level executive at Ford. And they said, we know you're not going to be happy with this. Your name came up in a board meeting. I go, what kind of board <laughs> meeting? goes, the, the board meeting. I'm like, come on. Seriously. My name came up in an actual board meeting. They were trying to see if people who are true Mustang enthusiasts would call it a Mustang. And when he asked me, he said, would you? I said, absolutely never. You can call it a Maki. It can look like a Mustang. You can do whatever you want. It is not a Mustang. It is an SUV that's electric. He said, I knew it. I knew it. He goes, and I defended your side in this meeting. I go, actually, in a real Ford Motor Company board meeting, I'm like, my name was mentioned. That's pretty freaking cool. That is. You should crash the next one. Find out when it is Yo, and go. say, I heard you people were talking about me. Oh, my God. I'd probably be arrested. <laughs> probably. All right. Uh, what's, uh, what's up with this week's Four Minute Friday? What are we talking about? What are we learning? So here, what's going on on the Russia-Ukraine border is actually, believe it or not, affecting car production. If you're like, well, well, we don't make cars in the Ukraine. We don't make U.S. cars in Russia. No, but a lot of the wiring harnesses come out of the Ukraine. So while all this is going on, we now have a chip shortage. We've been discussing it. We have a tire shortage because of rubber. Now we have a wiring harness shortage. I'm hey. like, are you kidding me? So what I wanted to, what I talk about is the Russia-Ukraine conflict will impact autos and EVs and gasoline prices in a very nasty way. And all of this affects you. You were listening to Mike Alpelka are going, well, I can't afford this. And the re it's not, I want, just wanted to correct the record because if you listen to the mainstream media, they're going to tell you it's because of this conflict, but it isn't. We have a shortage of wiring harnesses. We have oil that comes from another country. And so what the bottom line is, they're telling you in Washington, you should buy an electric car. And I'm like, excuse me? Because if you have a whatever, well, I'll just make up a car. You have a Taurus. You've been maintaining it. You can an okay fuel economy and you can afford to put food on the table, get your medicine, take care of your kids. That's great. That's what it's all about, right? But now you're saying gasoline's going to get more expensive and their answer is get an electric car okay so i'm going to sell my car that i own and buy a new car and the average price of an electric car is fifty one thousand dollars the average price of a gasoline powered car is thirty thousand well that's a twenty thousand dollar difference if you had 20 grand you'd go buy something else and a lot of people are in this boat and so then you go okay well, well you know i can plug in for free nothing in life is free and by the way, the insurance is twice as expensive. And you know that yourself, Mike, because when you had your, I guess you still have your current electric car, yeah. the, the insurance is more expensive because it's more expensive to replace these cars. So you pay a higher insurance rate. So you start thinking about this. Not everybody has a place, a garage that they can 
pay for a $2,000 charging station to plug in. Some people park in parking lots. Some people park on the street. So there's no place to plug in to charge. And then still, even these apartment buildings that have them available, they charge you for it or you're going to pay for it in your rent. So I always tell people before you think that that's the answer, it isn't. And if you took every single car on the road, every car on the road, of all the vehicles on the road today, only 3% of them are electric. But the mainstream media talks about them like everybody has one. And you know, I mean, you own an electric car. Yours is a different situation. For me, it'll never work. I just drove from Buffalo, New York to uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And I stopped once for fuel and I'm driving a diesel SUV. You think I want to stop at 38 miles to the gallon, which is what I'm getting now, to charge every few hours? Not a chance. I would have <laughs> never made it to me. I'd still be on my way back. Yeah, there are applications that make sense, and there are applications that make zero sense when it comes to utilizing a battery-powered car. And I don't know if we can talk about that farmer situation and that what appears to be John Deere starting to muscle farmers to consider battery-powered combines and tractors. But I'm a I sent little, that to you. That I was know. interesting. A friend of mine who's a farmer is being pressured by John Deere to go with electric equipment. He's like, well, it's not going to work because I'm out in the fields from sunrise to sunset. I, I, I wouldn't be able to even finish the field in a day. If you've got a giant farm and there are many giant farms out there, you are going to be a long ways away from any charging source as you are trying to bring in a crop. And crops are really dependent on timing. So if you have to now alter when you can harvest your crops based on your your ability to charge your combine or your tractor, it's going to really mess with uh, food production. And we already have an issue with food production thanks to the war in eastern Ukraine, the, the European breadbasket for wheat. Mm-hmm. So right. the, the answer is not everybody go electric. The answer is not everybody stay fossil fuel. It's find a balance. And that's what I don't understand. Why do we have to be either or? Nothing in life is either or. We just learned, the CDC just told us that the science is gray. And we, we all knew the science was gray on COVID. We all knew we were learning about it. And there was nothing settled. And it's the same thing with the electric vehicle issue. If you're driving around town, it can work. If you're driving across right. country, it's going to be a pain in the butt. And and right. it's, it's especially not smart for farmers because you're not going to be able to put a charging station with a huge transformer on every farm or within you know 20 minutes of every field. That's just not going to be feasible or economical. So I'm I'm right. glad you brought I'm glad you sent that to me. Yeah. I just didn't know if we could talk about it. Yeah, and there's one other thing. Um, so when uh, Biden says, hey, we're, we're done with Russian oil, we still have a 45-day wind-down period that a lot of people aren't aware of. That means we're going to take delivery of the oil that we purchased. So as that 45-day wind-down started just the other day, right, gas prices already started to escalate. So what's going to happen is that now, now we're done. We got everything we paid for. And we stop. And by the way, Russia has the dirtiest oil that is available, Mm -hmm. which is terrible for the environment. Um, And we use less of a barrel for gasoline and the rest of it goes to make clothing and medicines and all kinds of plastics. 
So a lot of people aren't aware of that. It's about 60% of the barrel that comes from Russia goes for plastics and other things that we touch and use every day. So it's really not all going to the gas tank. So the question is, if that's the case, why are prices escalating at the level they are? So my guess is, and this has been going on for a while, and I, I do discuss this in my Friday segment. If you remember, just take a trip down memory lane. Do you remember when President Obama wanted gasoline prices to be $10 a gallon? That was his goal to promote the push toward electric cars. If it's $10 a gallon, just to give you an idea, every dollar of increase per gallon. So when you see it go from $4 to $5 or 3 to 4 whatever it might be, that costs the average driver $500 for every dollar. Since Biden took office, it's costing the average driver, based on, obviously we got a mixture of cars out there, around $2,500 per driver. That's a lot. Nobody's got twenty five hundred bucks just laying around going, oh, well, that's good because I was trying to figure out what to spend it. I was thinking, should I buy a purse or should I put it in the gas tank? We're normal people. That's not the case. So there are a few things you can do. And I, I do want to give some people some quick tips. Take the junk out of your trunk. Anything extra in your car except for the spare tire, take it out. Those golf clubs, your kids stuff, whatever it might be, sporting equipment, lighten the car load. Get rid of all of the excess things that are in your vehicle that will help less energy used to propel that vehicle, whatever it might be. Check your tire pressure once a month, that number inside your driver's door. will that number is the correct number for your car. If you check your tire pressure once a month, you will actually have the best life of the tire. Tires are expensive and they're not going to get less expensive and you can get better tire life, better safety, better handling and the best fuel economy. If you have any check engine lights, any maintenance you've been putting off, Now's the time to do it because it's going to get more expensive because a lot of those auto parts come out of the Ukraine and Russia, and that's going to be a problem too. Also, uh, by the way, palladium, which is used in catalytic converters, comes out of Ukraine. It's, it's this amazing what a tangled web we've weaved, but you've got to come up with ways to consolidate your trips. If you can carpool, we're back to doing this. Um, use cruise control if you're on the highway. Anything you can do to save a few dollars, it'll save you at the pump. And honestly, use apps like Gas Buddy. If, if you remember, like BJ's or Costco, if they have a gas station, they usually have good prices. You know, you can check around, but try to save a few bucks. Don't just go to the closest one because it could be very expensive. I saw prices from on regular fuel, and I was buying diesel, at three eighty-eight a gallon down at Bucky's in Daytona, all the way up to Five twenty nine a gallon here in Buffalo, and that was a couple days ago. It's already more expensive. Well, you know, the people in uh, California are going, "Wow, we would love to pay <clears throat> that price because they're already up in the six and seven dollar range." Oh, I know. It, it's, it's crazy, it's, and it's cr not going to ease up for them. Yeah, it, it's going to be a rough few months, and maybe throughout the year. And uh, I say, if we want, if we want to deal with it and really understand the reactions, if the politicians want to know. Let's start early voting in the midterms now and put the drop-off ballot yeah. and early voting stations at gas stations. That'll get you some really honest opinions, people. We'll do that starting yeah. tomorrow. Lauren fixes yeah. her name. She is the car coach. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and, uh, and especially on YouTube with Car Coach Reports in the 4-Minute Friday, which is a little longer this week. And that's good because it's free and you will love the advice. Right, Susan? Right. Uh, Lauren, thank you, my friend. Happy motoring. Thank you. Take care.